Hey guys, and welcome back to the Bloom Wildly Live Simply podcast. My name is Morgan Bartell, and I'm so glad that you're here. In this week's episode, we're going to discuss what it looks like to truly grasp onto the concept that God will do good things for other people, but he will do them for you too as well. For years, I had no problem whatsoever praying for my friends, praying for total strangers at church and believing for miracles for them, telling them that God had good things in store for them, that he had promises and purposes for their lives. And that's the truth. But somewhere along the line, guys, I came face to face with the reality that I did not believe those things for myself. I believed that God could perform miracles for everybody else but me. I believed that God would come through for everybody else except for me. And that is a weird place to find yourself, guys, because I thought I had a very strong faith whenever I came to this realization. I believed that the Lord would sit there and perform justice on behalf of all the people that were being wronged except for myself. I had kind of conceded to the fact that maybe this was my lot in life, that things might just be difficult, that I might just survive the rest of my life with unanswered prayers and unanswered miracles and not get to see beautiful things come to pass or the goodness of God. If you've been around church culture for any length of time, you have heard the verse from Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This is God's word, you guys. And for some reason, my mind knew this truth, but my heart could not grasp it. The Lord has good plans for you and I, but I believed the Lord had good plans for you. I believed God had good plans for my neighbor. I believed that eventually he might get around to good plans for me. And I don't know why I believed it that way. I don't know why I had such a disconnect, but it was there. I'll use our journey with infertility as an example here. Everybody would pray for us. Our friends, our family would pray for our family to expand. We had conceived our first child very easily. And then shortly after that, ran into so many complications with fertility, had multiple miscarriages. And everyone kept telling us, the Lord's going to come through. The Lord's going to show up. He's going to. You guys are going to have small baby feet in your home again. You're going to raise more children. I had conceded to the fact that maybe the Lord's lot for my life was being the mother of an only child, but I had this nagging desire deep within my heart to be a mother to many, to be a mother to more. And I picked up the fact that, you know what, maybe that looked like being a spiritual mother to many. Maybe that's what it was going to look like. I picked that up, not because I was content with what the Lord had given me, but because I didn't trust that he could fulfill that desire of my heart. You guys, I didn't trust that. And in Psalm 37, 4, it tells us, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But for some reason, it felt like my desires weren't something that the Lord was interested in, that there were people that had other issues or other circumstances that were far more important to him than mine. And that to me, you guys, created such a weird dichotomy with walking out my faith over the last decade. Yes, I loved the Lord. Yes, I sought the Lord. Yes, I praised him. But for some reason, I wasn't being able to accept the fact that he was going to come through for our family, that he was going to come through for me. You guys, I don't know why I did this. And I know there's probably other people out there that have done this as well. But I will tell you this. I felt like such a fraud. After I would stand up in the line as a prayer partner years back, I would pray for others. I would prophesy God's good things over this person's life. And then I would close the prayer out. We would hug. We would worship. And I'd go home thinking, I prayed for someone to have something that I don't even believe the Lord could do for me. 
And it's really hard to give to someone else what you don't first have yourself. I had just decided and come into agreement with the fact that my life might look a lot like Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. It mentions so many accounts from the Old Testament and the New Testament of people by faith believing in things and some seeing their circumstances come to pass while others didn't in this lifetime. I thought of the passage, Hebrews 11, 11, by faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to conceive children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was well past her age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. I considered the fact that the Lord was faithful. I did. But when I saw these passages, I moved down to Hebrews eleven thirteen, and this is where I grasped. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that they were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed them. You guys, like, that scripture goes on and on. But this was where I had landed. That maybe I was going to pass away with a full life, but one that might have had some of these desires unfulfilled. And there are desires of our hearts that might not be God's desire for our life. And so I just had to move into this fact that I just had to trust that the Lord would do it. Right? You have to trust and you still have to have hope. That's where I found myself. I was like, I have to have these things, right? These are easy things to grasp. For me, for some reason, they were not. I had basically come into agreement with the fact that the Lord would fulfill his promises to everybody else except for myself. And the irony of this, you guys, is I have a tattoo on my left forearm from Luke 145 that says, blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I've had this thing since before I got married to my husband for over 12 years now, you guys. Like, this is my life verse. But I was living it completely wonky. I was believing that he was not going to do these things for me, that he would not fulfill the promises on my life. And I don't know where that disconnect came from. But for some reason, I just held on to it with every white knuckle in my hand that this was who I was. This was my life. This was my faith walk. Many years into our journey with infertility, we decided to become foster to adopt parents. We were dual licensed for foster care and adoption within the state of Texas. And we thought, you know what? If it, we can't grow our family traditionally, we can we can serve our community. We can serve those in need. We can help with reunification to keep families together. We can do our part. The scriptures call us to be there for those that are in need. So we were like, this is good. We can do these things. This will be great. And you guys, it was a beautiful season for us, but it was a broken, brutal experience. <laughs> I'm going to keep it short. But we were blessed to be placed with two beautiful babies within a month and a half of each other. And one of those babies just so happened to have a medical condition that no one knew at placement. We got both of them from birth, and unfortunately, their parents had both used while they were in the womb. One baby didn't have any issues, and the other we didn't know was born with them. And so after months of fighting, trying to get medical care, an incident did happen in our home where it required transport by ambulance, where one of the babies was in critical condition. Now, I can say, thank God, they are fine and they are blooming and they are blossoming today, but not before our experience with foster care took a harsh turn and we were faced with the very broken elements of the system that is known as CPS. And I can get into all of that jazz in another episode, but that's not why I'm here today. When that happened, when all of that happened, everything felt like it was being pulled out from underneath us. The babies were both removed from our care as we were being falsely accused. 
And I just was like, oh my gosh, like I thought we were doing something good. It felt like the fulfilled promise of my heart to have more children around, even if they might not be forever children, but my desire to mother many. I was like, God, what are you doing? And then on top of that, now we have false accusations that are not only slandering our name, but coming at us for our freedom as they're trying to seek to put us through the court system to try and get us put in in jail, you guys, for something that we didn't do. And it was during this time that I really had to ask the Lord, what are you doing? I can't tell you how many times I fell on my face and I was like, God, you come through for everyone I know. I have been faithful. I have been faithful, God. I have served in your house. I have shown up when others didn't, Lord. I have been there. And this is what happens. Where is your hand of protection, God? But where's the promise that you gave to me? I know that I know that I know that you promised good things for me, but I'm not seeing them. And in that season, y'all, I certainly wasn't seeing it. And I decided, you know what? I was going to keep it 100 with God. I yelled at him. I cursed at him. I screamed at him. And then you know what? At the end of every one of those temper tantrums that I had with God, I was comforted. I was comforted. And I didn't realize that it was this broken season that I was walking where I was being completely emptied of every single thing in my mind and heart that was contrary to the acceptance of the goodness of God. I decided that I was too emotionally exhausted to keep trying to do things on my own accord, to keep trying to do works to earn the goodness of God, to stop doing all these things that might earn favor enough from the Father in heaven to fulfill what he said he would do long ago. As our household was being investigated for this false accusation, I just gave it to God. It was completely out of my control. There was nothing I could say to change someone else's mind. And we were told many times, you are guilty until proven innocent. And even though that goes against our constitutional rights here in the beautiful United States of America, we couldn't fight a system that was coming for us like that. We had to trust that God would come through. And I did. I worshiped so hard, you guys. I prayed and I interceded like never before. I praised God like never before because I was like, you know what? I can't do it, but you can, God. And even if you don't, I know that whatever happens, you're going to be there. And I started to believe those words. And then months passed after we had done interview after interview, just when I really started to believe that God was going to show up in a mighty way and come through, we got the news that the system had found us to be guilty. I was absolutely in shock. Because there was no way they could do it because we would never have done anything that they were claiming that we did. We had documentation to prove otherwise. We had witnesses to prove otherwise. And yet they still said that we were guilty. And it was in that moment where I was like, God, where are you? I, was, I wasn't upset anymore. I was flat out disappointed. I was so close to walking away from my faith at this point because it felt like I was just on the chopping block. It did. And it felt like it was something because I I had had this desire on my heart to be a mother to many. And now my family was suffering because I was greedy. That's another lie I came into agreement with. And so I was like, you know what? Life is so much harder right now walking this out with God. Or so I thought in the moment. That's genuinely what I thought, you guys. And so I was like, you know what? No, we're still going to trust God. 
I've gone this far with the Lord. My husband talked me down off the ledge. My best friend spoke spiritual life into me whenever I couldn't even hardly take spiritual breath on my own. The Lord showed up even whenever I didn't want him to. But it didn't manifest in the tangible realm. I didn't see God's goodness in the land of the living at this point. I didn't. And so I just continued to trust him. And he guided our steps to seeking a formal review with people far superior to the ones who had said that we were guilty, that were submitting our names to be put on a registry for some of the most heinous things that they were claiming. And thank God that the Lord led us down the path he did, because this is where doors really started to open. We walked blind. We walked blind or so I thought, but we were actually walking by faith and didn't even realize it. My husband knew it. My husband's faith is so beautiful and so inspiring to me. My 10-year-old now, during this whole process, his faith was so inspiring to me. But it would be 11 months of contesting and fighting and interviews upon interviews, guys. When I tell you interview upon interview, I mean two to three-hour interviews at least eight or nine times with different people, people that were trained to catch lies, people that were trained to detect truth, people that were trained to give an accurate answer to whatever the reasoning might be. And it took almost an entire year to prove our innocence and to find out that the guilty verdict on our life in this situation had been overturned, that our names had been removed from the central child abuse registry for the false claims and the accusations that people were making against us. You guys, it was in this moment that I was like, you know what, we're going to get a call and they're just going to say we're guilty. They're just going to say it. I've given up on God coming through on this and that's not what happened. Even in my unbelief, the Lord showed up. And during all this, I was sitting there in the nursery where these two beautiful foster babies once slept and I was so disappointed with God as I was tearing down the cribs. I was like, God, I thought that this was going to be a fulfilled prayer. I thought that this was going to be our family. I thought that this was going to be our story, that we were going to get to house multiple babies, whether they came through for a season or not, whether you blessed us with forever babies or not from the foster system. I thought this was going to be it. I thought these cribs would eventually turn into toddler beds, which would eventually turn into bunk beds. But now they're empty. I walked past the little nursery in our home and it felt like a tomb. And as I was tearing down the first crib, I remember just being so salty with Jesus. And I tore that down and I got to where I put the Allen wrench into the first screw of the second crib. And the audible voice of God said, don't you dare. Don't you dare. And I... Wish I could say that I was receptive and was like, yes, Lord, I trust you. I remember getting my, y'all, it was not a good moment. I got kind of ghetto with the Lord. I was like, well, you know what? If you want me to keep this crib in this room, you're going to just have to give us a baby. You're going to have to knock on our door and give us a baby because I cannot do this again. I cannot walk foster care out and put our family at risk of going to jail for something we didn't do. I cannot go back through another journey of infertility where you get those two sweet lines that say you're pregnant to only have a couple weeks pass of that bliss before you find out that you've lost the child, that you've lost the pregnancy. And I'm like, God, I can't do that. But you know what? Fine. You want me to leave this crib up? Fine. I'll leave it up. I'll just shut the door. And that's what I did. 
I threw the Allen wrench down and I shut the door and I walked over into the couch in our living room and sat down right next to my husband. Immediately after I sat down on that sectional, you guys, I had an alert from somebody that I hadn't spoken to in years reaching out to me. And I, of course, was a little baffled. I was like, why would they be reaching out? Something happened. Did someone pass that someone we mutually know? My mind went to all the places. I was not prepared for what was going to happen. The next thing that I knew, I was reading a message from somebody stating a situation with a friend of a friend that was going to try and find someone to adopt her baby. The next thing we knew, we were pursuing a private adoption. And even through the private adoption, I was prepared for things to fall through. I was still, I was still prepared to see things fall through and fall apart. I was scared to trust that this was going to come to pass because of all the pain and the hurt that had happened during this last season. It, I just, I couldn't let myself go there. And it was not until the day our son was born that I believed that he was going to be put into my arms. And even until the adoption papers were signed, I still held a fear in the back of my mind that something could go wrong. And then the day that the judge struck that gavel and declared, declared that that baby boy was now a member of our family once and forever, I felt so much relief and weight off of my chest. I felt this new breath rise up in me because even though I didn't see God showing up in my circumstances, even though I didn't see him moving, he was. He didn't need me to see what he was doing for him to do what he does best. And for some reason in my mind, I like to think that I can give God some advice. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm always like, hey, Lord, like if you want to show up anytime soon, that would be great. I would appreciate that. No, what the Lord has taught me in this last season is that we don't have to make something happen. We don't have to witness him moving on our behalf because sometimes, you know what? He doesn't want us to witness it. He wants us to trust. And if we don't trust, he wants us to just continue to walk it out so he can show up and show out. I didn't believe the Lord was going to do what he was going to do. I didn't. And you know what? He still did it. He still fulfilled longings of my heart that I gave up on. God has good things in store for you. God has good things in store for me. In this exact moment, wherever you find yourself listening to this podcast, take comfort in knowing the fact that God is moving on your behalf. He is in rooms that you're not even invited into speaking on your behalf. And he delights in showing up for you. He delights in showing up for me. He's not an absent God, you guys. He's not. He's not a God that doesn't care like I thought for that season. He is a God that loves relentlessly. We've heard he leaves the 99 for the one. And we're like, that's so beautiful. But what we don't realize is that not only were we the one when it came to our our salvation, but we were the one whenever our disbelief rose up higher than the hope in our heart. And he still came for us. He still walked it out with us. 
And whatever you're going through today, guys, I want you to know he will walk it out with you too. I can't promise you that every single thing you pray and ask the Lord for will come to pass. I can't promise that. There are still things in my heart that I'm praying and believing for. And you know what? I'm done sitting there trying to manufacture a faith that's going to see them come to pass. I've become the person that trusts so blindly because God does things that are beyond our wildest dreams, that are beyond what we believe we need. Had I not walked through this season that I walked in, I don't think I would have the faith that I do today. I don't think I would have the relationship with God that I do today. And so wherever you find yourself, wherever you find yourself, please know that God has good things in store for you and that he will show up and that he wants to show up, you guys. Before I go, I want to pray with you guys today. Lord, I thank you so much for the things that you do. I thank you that you move in such mighty ways, such majestic ways that we never even see. And Lord, when we fight to get any glimpse of it, when we get discouraged when disbelief rises up in our hearts and in our minds, God, I thank you that you are always there in that midst, that you are there to comfort, that you are there to bring peace beyond all understanding, God. I just pray that you would give us the tenacity to keep pursuing you, no matter how our lives look, God, no matter how our lives look. I just ask that you would give us this desire to praise you and praise you fervently in the midst of good seasons and in the midst of bad seasons, God. And to the one who might be struggling that's listening, God, that's saying he does it for everyone else, but I just, I'm not there. I don't believe he'll do it for me. God, I just ask that you would show yourself in a tangible way, that you would prove yourself faithful, God, that you would prove yourself faithful. And I thank you that you love us just as we are, but that you love us too much to leave us like that. God, I thank you that no circumstance is ever without waste, that those hard times, that those ugly seasons we walk, God, you see to it that there is fruit that comes out of that season, God. And Lord, I just pray that my friends would see the goodness of you in the land of the living. We love you so much. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for listening to the Bloom Wildly Live Simply podcast. I can't wait to chat with you guys next time.